eternal life that you've given us, that you've given us hope for a future. You've given us, Lord, a purpose to live for. We thank you, Lord, for the great love that you've put in our hearts. We thank you, Lord, for even what you're doing among us at the moment as the family of God. We thank you, Lord, for the anticipation that we're feeling in our spirit because, Lord, we know that you're at work in us. And we just pray that you would come and you would accomplish all that you so desire to do in us. In Jesus' name, Lord, thank you for our worship team. Thank you for everybody in this house that plays a part to make this happen and are we just come with thanksgiving in our hearts this morning to give you praise in jesus name amen and amen bless the lord if you have your bible with you this morning could you turn to hebrews chapter um, 11 um, that would be really really good hebrews chapter 11 and we're going to read a few verses um, just together from hebrews and chapter 11 And verse 8 says this, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. You need to underline that this morning. He went in faith, out of obedience, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was unable to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so, from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the skies and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they are longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, who tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promise was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it's through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. And the Lord will bless the reading of his most holy word. Um, Thursday week ago, there was a group of us, a leadership group, went down to um, a conference called Debar. And the title of the day was this, um, the known... Leading in the known to the unknown. Leading in the known to the unknown. And I really, really enjoyed it. And partly the reason why I enjoyed it was, one of the things was the first session was a lot to do with church history. And I used to love school. I loved history. And when I went to Bible college, I loved church history. Just don't quiz me on it because I've forgotten most of it. But I used to love listening to the history of the church. And there was a lot about how, you know, God moved in the early church and, you know, 
talk around the Apostle Paul and the Apostle and that apostolic spirit. And But what came out of it was, and it was interesting because we've just finished our series on Acts, but they talked about Paul and how Paul, probably when he started off, when he was called on that road of Damascus, never probably knew all that God was going to bring him into. He was leading from the known, what God had called him to do, into the unknown. He probably would have never, ever realized that today there's people worshiping God because of the books he has written, because of his missionary journeys. He probably at that point never even expected half of what has happened through his obedience of following God from the known to the unknown. And at the end of the teaching session, there was a few prophetic words. And I know Donna actually alluded to one that actually she preached last Sunday morning, but talked about how the Lord was leading people on a road that had never been trodden before into areas where no one had ever gone before. That those paths were not paths that were tarmacked or, or stoned, but those that would walk those paths, in fact, would be the people who would make the path for other people to follow them. Other people to come along and to follow and do what God is doing. And just like in our reading this morning, Abraham was called to follow God, and so we are called to follow God, sometimes to a destination that we don't know. We're called then to following God to a place that we don't know. And then there was this other word at the very end of the time together. And it was basically saying that God had called people to do things, but it was like everything was against them. That all the odds were stacked against them. And it was like everything was going wrong, partly going wrong, but the odds were against. Don't you just love an encouraging word like that? And a part of the word was as well that it wasn't going to change soon. But basically, God was in it. Basically, the God was in it. You know, next month we will celebrate two years of being a church. It's not great. Two years of being a church. Where's those years gone? And do you know, friends, in our journey, we have set out a wee bit like Abraham, and we don't know where we're going many respects where we're going to be, where we're going to end up as a church and all of those things. But we need to step out and we need to trust God and we need to follow God and we will, in this coming weeks, we will be celebrating all the twists and the turns but the fact that God has been with us each step of the way. And faith, we need to be like Abraham and obey and follow him even though at times it may seem we don't know where we're going but God will do what he so desires in us. Do you believe that, church? That God will do what he desires in us. We have our unknowns in this journey, don't we really? Because, you know, this morning, like we can celebrate. It's not amazing that there's over 100,000 in our building fund at the minute. That is so good, 103-odd thousand, nearly 104,000 in our building fund. And yet... We don't know where we're going to be. And, you know, we've no real leads. We've no real urgency within our spirit saying, this is where you have to be. And there's nobody knocking at our door at the minute and saying, I have a building for you. Or there's a bit of land that you should look at. There's nothing at the moment saying to us here, this is the way you should go with that aspect 
of where we are. And I suppose we're a wee bit like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We're living in a tent. We're living in temporary accommodation. And we thank God for this temporary accommodation. But I want to say this to you, the church, this morning, and I am so thankful, and don't get my heart wrong in this one, I am so thankful for what we've achieved financially. I'm so thankful for the urgency, or not the urgency, the heart to um, to give and to support and to put money away. But I want to say this to you this morning. I really want you to get this. That is not our ultimate goal. Do you hear me this morning? That is not our ultimate goal. Getting a building is not our purpose. It is not the ultimate goal and should not be our ultimate goal. Now, I believe it's going to be a byproduct. I believe God is going to bless us with something. I believe God will give us what we need because we will need a permanent building ourselves. And I believe that God has that for us. But friends, being called to build a big building, it's not what God's calling us to do. That is not our first priority. And I'm going to come back to that. It's not our first priority. Do you remember what Pastor David Dixon said? I thought it was so profound. When, not the last time, it was the time before he said this. If we pursue the harvest, God will give us a home. But if we pursue a home, you will miss the harvest. Go say it again. If you pursue the harvest, God will give you a home. But if we pursue a home, God, we will miss the harvest. You know, friends, even when we do get a building, and do you know, I do dream sometimes, and I think, Lord, we need this, and we need that, and we need the other, and I would love that. And, but you know, the reality of it is this. It isn't our first priority. To build a big building is not our first priority. It is not what God has called us to at this time. And when we do get it, I want a functional building. That's why it's called Operation Sheep Shed. We're not going to be erecting the Crystal Cathedral. We're going to erect a functional building that we can minister in and minister out from. That we can have a building that can be used as a place where people find solace and people can get encouragement and people can be ministered to. How many of you have a good room? Come on, let's snobby in the house, put their hands up. Yeah, the... the <laughs> Jacqueline says we're from the bean. She says we're lucky to have a toilet. I love you. But you know, you know, when we lived, especially, well, even in our house now, we have the room. And, and being a pastor, you know, we like to keep one room in the house that looks half decent than when anybody calls. And even though the rest of the house may be a mess, you have the good room. And for those of you that were maybe brought up in East Centre Heart of East Belfast or um, some of those areas, and you live in the parlour house, the parlour was the good room. How many remember your grannies or your mommies having the parlour? And nobody get in except for Christmas or if somebody died or special occasions. And everything had to sit prim and proper. And you know, sometimes in church, we nearly make a god of our buildings. Everything has to be in its place. Everything has to be prim and proper. But church should need to be like a hospital, a functional building where people are getting healed and people are being ministered to. And do you know something? Sometimes hospitals are a mess. You can go in at times, and yes, thankfully, they keep them clean and sparse, but when they're in the middle of some trauma, let me tell you, there's things everywhere. 
And nobody's running around worrying about the good floor and this, that, and that furniture. You can't sit there and you can't do it. It should be a functional building, a functional place that we minister out of and we minister from. And that's what is really, really important. And you know, some people and some churches are so striving to pay off their building and own their building that instead of them really in their spirit, not financially, but in their spirit, you know, the building ends up owning them. It becomes nearly like a noose around their neck. They're owned by their building. And sometimes having a big building then means that you're curtailed in your ministry and your mission because so much finance has to go to the maintenance of a building rather than doing the mission that God intended is to minister to. And don't get me wrong, please don't get my heart wrong this morning. I believe we'll get a building. I believe God will want us to have a building, but it must be functional. It must not become a new shrine or night. It must be somewhere where we can be, but yet not something that will steal our, our passion in the first thing. But here's what I want to say to you this morning. I really need you to get this because this is so important, church. See if we don't know what we're about. And if we can't accept that on our journey, there are still going to be unknowns. And if we don't actually make peace in ourselves, that on this journey as East Pointers, there are still going to be a lot of unknowns. We will end up going backwards or losing our way on the journey. Are you with me this morning? Do you get what I'm saying? We need to know what we're actually called to. That's why I'm pointing out this morning, our aim, our goal is not to build a big building. That's not the goal. And we're going to come to the goal later on. That is not our goal. There's much more important things, beneficial things, that God has called us to. And if we do not get that we are called from the known to the unknown, and the unknown is going to be a part of our journey, and we need to make peace with that. There will be things that will be ahead of us that we don't know where the Lord's going to lead us and what the Lord's going to do. We could so easily get off track and maybe even go backwards. And that's not what God's called us to. God is calling us to walk with him and go forward into what he's doing. On our journey, there are always going to be the unknowns, the twists and the turns, and we need to have faith to keep going with what God is asking us to do. So this morning, I want us to look at the knowns. Okay, so we revision this morning. Remember at school, you used to get a revision test. Well, we're doing a revision this morning. Now I've brought this in, nearly broke my neck bringing it in. And then I realized when I brought it in, none of you are going to see it anyway because the message is at the bottom and not the top. For those listening, it's a banner. Our banner, East Point Church. And here's three things as a church. Present people purpose. They're the things that we value as a church. And if you're new with us this morning and you're looking for church, this is what we're about as East Pointers. Presence. People and purpose. I love Moses' conversation with God in Exodus 33, verse 15 and 16. This is what he says. If your presence does not go with us, Moses replied, do not lead us up from here. For how then can it be known that we are your people and have found favor in your sight unless you go with us? 
How else will we be distinguished from all the other people on the face of the earth? Moses knew that there's a people if they were not set apart by people knowing that God was with them and that they were carrying God's presence, they were no different than anybody else. They'd been known to have and to carry the presence of God was what they were all about. And that they needed God's presence with them. Now, you might come back at me and you might tell me, but Pastor, where are you going with this? Because God's word tells us he never leaves us nor forsakes us. Why pursue and why value the presence? God is with us all the time. Now, I, I'm glad my wife's in Sunday school this morning because I could get myself on a wee bit of bother. <laughs> now, fellas, you are going to get this when I say this. Often we're present in the room when our wives are sharing. Do you know women speak over 50,000 words a day? Us lads, I think we speak about three. I think I might have broke that the odd time. And our wives are speaking 50,000 words. And I'm in the room. I'm present with my wife in the room. But my wife knows there's times, you know, the lights are on but nobody's at home. Because my mind has drifted away somewhere else about what I have to do tomorrow or what I have to say the next time I come to speak to you and all of those things. I am present in the room, but I'm not engaging with the conversation. And church, God's promise to us is he will never leave us nor forsake us, but God's desire for us is to engage with him. It's to engage with his presence. And church, I'm not just talking this morning about when we come and, and we get led so well here by our worship team into the presence of God and we know what it's like to come in. We've all been, even here at times, we're going to be honest, we've been honest in the house. We've been when we've just come and we know we've just sung songs, haven't we? Because we haven't really engaged. Here we go, we're singing the song again. And we're maybe more worried about the fact that the song hasn't come up the next verse and we're looking around and the crows were on the roof yesterday banging their feet and our focus is somewhere else. And in our spirit, we have not really engaged with God. And yet we know when we come into this place and when the first beat starts from our worship team that we're in focus because we have focused with God all week. We get on our feet and we get into that focus and we engage with the presence of God and something different happens, doesn't it? We really feel the presence of God. Now, here's what I want to say this morning, church. That is good. That is great. We love that. We anticipate that. We want that. But let me say this to you, as I've said a second ago, that only happens when we're engaging with the presence of God from Monday to Saturday. As East Pointers, we want you to be trained, to be brought up in the ways of God, to be such a focus that we know where we're going with this. This is why we exist as a people, not just to meet here on a Sunday morning, but we're meeting together to encourage each other through Monday to Sunday that we as a people carry something of the presence of God and we're engaging with the Spirit of God. That we have something in our hearts that longs for us to be in the presence of God each day and value his presence. 
Can I recommend a couple of books to you that will help you in that? First one is by a man called Brother Lawrence. It was written in the 1600s, 1600, and told you my mind wasn't good for history. 1693. I want to quote a couple of things from his book. I tell you, it's one of the best books you will ever read if you're hungry for the presence of God. Here's a couple of his quotes coming up. The most holy and necessary practice in our spiritual life is the presence of God. That means finding constant pleasure in his divine company, speaking humbly and lovingly with him in all seasons at every moment without limiting the conversation in any way. That each day we're pressing in as the people of God into the presence of our God and we carry his presence with us. Thanks, brother. Put up the next wee one there. I like this one. The time of busyness does not differ with me from the time of prayer. And in the noise and the clatter of my kitchen, while several persons are at the same time calling for different things, I possess God and great tranquility as if I were on my knees. That's not where we want to get. As the people of God, as East Pointers following God, that we are a people who so engage with the Spirit of God, whether you're in work or not check out telling you 400 people backed up to the back of the shop that still as you're putting it going, bleep, 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 and saying hello, bleep, bleep. But in your spirit, you're able to rest in the presence of Almighty God. That when you're on that ward and people are shouting at you from different ways, asking you to do different things, that's still in the midst of your heart, even though there's crisis all around it, we are people seeking the presence of God to know the stillness of God in the midst of it all. Why? Because truly, friends, if we love the Lord our God, which is the first commandment, we're to love him with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind. First and the greatest commandment is to love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That's why we value the presence of God at this point. Because we want to fulfill that first commandment of God over our lives to do that. But friends, that will lead me somewhere else in a wee second. But I promised you a second book, and I've gone off my notes. But here's the second book as well, by Francis Frangipan. What a name, eh? And the days of his presence. Guys, if you read books like those, they will help you in your pursuit of cultivating the presence of God in your daily, daily life. You know, even as a leadership team here, we do not want to be a church as we lead you by coming to God and bringing our plans to God and saying, God, this is a great idea. Will you bless it? Should it be the other way around? As a leadership team, we want to come to God and say, God, what are you doing? Let us follow. Where's your hand moving? Do you know, a few weeks ago in our prayer meeting, over three, I think, consecutive times we met that God said through different people, and some of those weren't even up the meeting from the time before, where God was saying, have an ear to hear what the Spirit of God is saying. And as East Point people, as a leadership, we want to hear what God is saying, and we want to move as God desires us to move. We want to move even if like Abraham, he takes us into unknown territory. Are you ready to go on that journey, God, church? Even in the unknown territory, we need to keep valuing his presence because of this commandment 
to love your Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. But that's going to lead us on their second one because the Lord says to us that we have a second value. We are to love our neighbor as ourselves. And that's our second value as a church as we value people. And friends, that's a big call. To value someone is to love someone. I love 1 Corinthians 13 um, from the message, and we're going to read it together. 1 Corinthians 13. And really think about this, because church, this is what God is calling us to. God is calling us to love each other. This is what he's calling us to. This is the measure, and this is a big measure. Let's just, for matter's sake, we'll, we'll go to uh, verse 3. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but don't have love, I have gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, and what I do, I am bankrupt without love. And here's what love is. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than itself. Love does not want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep score of the sins of others, doesn't reveal, reveal sorry, with others' gravel, and takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, puts up with anything, trusts God's always, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Wow. That's a lot to live up to, isn't it? God has called us to love. As you know, we've said, it's been our Alpha weekend. It's been great. We've been led well by Gary and Pauline. We've had a great week to, weekend together. But on Friday night, as some of us were praying in the room, that was our ministry to do, we could hear those who had the ministry of help and the caterers outside. And a couple of people mentioned it when they prayed. All we could hear was the laughter. It was lovely. We could hear the folk in the kitchen, the banter and the laughing between one each and other. And it was absolutely amazing. It was absolutely lovely. And when God's people get together and they've got a purpose and they're all going in the one direction, there is so much fun that comes with that. But yet at times we get it so wrong. And we can devalue people so easy. Physically, family, physically, families have their falling outs, don't they? I know you can't believe that from a pastor's home that we, I think you all think we float. And that there's never a crossword said between Daddy Neil and Mommy Neil. And that we're in love all the time. And we're always pleasant. And our children are little angels. And that there's never a crossword said, wait till you see a Sunday morning, us all trying to get out of the house. Shut that door. <laughs> what are you doing? What time is it? Where are you going? We've all been there, haven't we? Let's be honest. Are you like Little House in the Prairie in your house? No, I know you, Jackie. I know you don't have to go there. But the reality of it is this. We're real. And sometimes we fall out. Sometimes we get on each other's nerves if we're truly honest. But we need to learn to be humble and to say, I got that wrong. Sorry if my attitude was wrong today because I got out the wrong side of the bed. 
And in church life as well as in our home life, we need to learn to be humble people. And at times we need to learn to say sorry. And we need to keep our hearts right. We need to keep short accounts with each other, just like we do. I love the fact that we mostly, on a weekly basis, break bread. I was asked one time, why do we do that? It means so that we keep a short account with God. That we know it's coming Sunday, and if there's anything between us and Lord, we need it sorted out before we break bread Sunday morning. But how many of us know that communion is not just God word, but it's man word as well? Friends, there's times we need to go to people and we need to say, listen, things haven't been right between us for a while. I'm really sorry. If I've done anything to offend you or hurt you, I'm sorry. Let's work at this. Let's moment we'll go for coffee. Let's, let's open our hearts to one another again. Let's share with each other and open up that we can be welcoming. You see, we're trying to teach you to welcome the presence of God. But as we welcome the presence of God, we need to make room at the table for each other. Not right? We need to make room at the table for each other. We need to be a welcoming people, one with the other, having care for one another, serving one another, loving each other. We need to be a people of grace. If there's anything other than the presence of God that I want to have in our culture, as a culture of a church, that we're a church of grace. That we're not measuring each other up and judging one another, but we live in a community of grace to realize, you know, they have a speck in their eye, but I have a plank in mine. And I might get miffed at maybe something they're doing at the moment, but here, listen, in my heart of hearts, I know what I'm doing. So rather than striking out at one another to have a community of grace where we pray for one another and we support one another and that we choose to honor one another, Do you know, in the world that we live in today, everybody's ready to tear somebody else down, to get them a wee bit further, to make them look a wee bit better. So what they'll do is they want to tear each other down. But we as the people of God, because we value people, we need to learn to speak positively of each other. We need to see the best in each other. Back to 13, Corinthians 13, no records of wrong. The past is the past. We need to look at each other and see what God sees in us. Remember the song we used to sing years ago, Betty? I am covered over with the robes of righteousness and Jesus lives in me. I am covered over the precious blood of Jesus and about when he looks at me, he sees not what we see, but all he sees when God looks at us is Jesus. May God give us the eyes to see in each other, not our flaws and our faults and the things that maybe rub us up the wrong way, but we need to ask for Jesus' eyes. That we see the possibility in our brother and sister that God can use them as much as he uses us. 1 Corinthians 12 also tells us that we are a body. And everybody has a part in the body and everybody needs to be used. Now, I don't particularly like toes. Thank the Lord that we're not in Jesus' day and us blokes have to wear sandals. Especially when you've got hurry toes. Just put some use of your coffee later on, okay? But I'm glad that the toes can be hidden. I'm glad that I get to wear this shirt that covers up 
the multitude of sins, and I'm glad that my skin is not see-through because I would not like to be looking at the heart and the lungs and all the rest of it. And yet all of those things are wild important for us to live. Let's have a value on people. Sometimes we're like, oh, we can do without them. Can we? Because their ministry may be not an upfront ministry, may not be a ministry that maybe is as out front and upfront. But there's people who do stuff I know in this church that nobody sees and nobody knows, and they're doing it behind the scenes, and it's why we are who we are. And let's value each other there. Let's value that each of us not only can come to the table, but it's a bit like a potluck supper. Each of us can bring something to the table and be used for the glory of God. So learn to value one another. Let's create a culture of honor. The importance of us placing value on each other and loving one another right, which is a work which is always in process means sometimes, yes, we might have to humble ourselves and go and say to somebody, sorry, I got it wrong with you. Please forgive me and have a heart. Which will lead us then to our third purpose, the why we meet. And that is we value the purposes of God. And I believe that God has many purposes for our lives. There are many purposes. God may have a purpose for you that is different than a purpose for you. But collectively, as the church, the Lord has a purpose for us. And friends, you're going to say, oh, pastor, not again. But I need you to know this. Because if you don't know this and you don't get this, I am telling you, you will go off in your own wee merry dance and you will wander off somewhere else and you will do this and you will do that because you're not getting where we're going. Our very important purpose that God has for us is found in Matthew 28, 19 to 20. And I know we've brought it into a lot that we did in our teaching in the book of Acts. But we're here to make disciples. And to become disciples as we follow Christ. That is what we're about. Not building big buildings. But that we're in a discipleship program and that we're seeing people being one to the Lord Jesus Christ to be discipled. There's an old African proverb that says this, it takes a village to raise a child. And I need you to know today, and isn't it amazing that in our awful course already, the two people have made decisions to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, back to what I've just said. It takes a village to raise a child. So we're going to see these two girls discipled. Don't sit back and think, ah, it's the pastor's job and the elder's job. It's not, guys. It's the families of God's job. It's our responsibility to take these girls to our heart, to love them, to encourage them, and to see them follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Our job is to value them, to love them, and get them on that journey to come closer with Jesus. That's why Ephesians 5 and 15 says this, and I love the old King James, walk circumspectly. It says, be careful then how you walk, not to be unwise, but as wise. 
And church, if we don't know our, where the known and where we're going, the vision and the plan, that that's why we meet, we will get disillusioned. And we'll wander off and we'll get lost on the journey. And I'm saying it again, the reason why we meet for the purpose of God is to see people come to faith and be discipled. And that happens one by one. How do you need an elephant? Do you know how to eat an elephant? One bite at a time. And this ministry God's called us to do, it's one soul at a time. And I know there's lots of people out there, and you think, how on earth will we raise or get to any of these people? The story was told of a wee boy on the beach one time, and there had been a whole lot of one of these things that happened periodically, and all these starfish had been washed up in the beach, and this wee fellow was running along, and he was throwing them in and throwing them in and throwing them in, and some adult came along to disillusion him and say to him, sure, look at the rest of them, for all that you're doing. What does it matter? And the wee boy says as he threw the next one, and it mattered to that one. Church, people matter to God. And God's purpose for us is to be what God wants us to be doing. And the purpose of us as a church is not to build big buildings, but to build big people. It's to see people going on strong with God. Like Abraham of old, our new ground, the city to dwell in, is a heavenly place. We're not looking for, yes, hopefully it will be one day, a plot of land or a building, but that's not the end goal. We're looking further than that. We're looking to work in this community and work where God has placed that we can take as many of our friends and our family with us to a beautiful city where the streets are paved with gold, that we have peace in our heart, that we did our best, and it mattered to that one to get to become into the kingdom of God. Are you with me, church, this morning? Are you getting why we're here? Can I remind you of this as well? If we're going to make disciples, we need to get into the discipleship process. You've heard me preach it before, and I'm going to preach it again this morning. Romans 8 and 29. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be the image of your son. I'm going to say this to you, the church, this morning. The people that God brings into this church who make decisions to follow Jesus are not going to become like Jesus if they don't see Jesus in us. Are you with the program? If we're not working on our development and the Lord's asking us to lead these people to a closer walk with him, how are they going to follow if we're not there ourselves? If we're not breaking bread, if we're not engaging with our life group, if we're not going to prayer meetings, if we're not following what God has called us to do, how do we expect them to follow? There is an onus in us, church, to be good leaders and to follow, the people can follow us into a deeper relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why. We do church the way we do. That's why we teach the way we teach. That's why we want you to engage with the Holy Spirit. Because we want those that come to follow your good example. We want you to engage and study. We want you to engage in prayer. We want you to engage 
in knowing God. You know, East Point Church won't suit everybody. Because even in this day, even though we know that scripture, and you might say, Pastor, you've told us all this before. The Bible talks about the Nehemiah principle. We should really repeat this every 28 days, that we know where we're going, even into the unknown, that we keep a focus of where we're to go. And we want and we desire the people will follow and get into it. But we also realize that this will not be for everybody because unfortunately today, there's people that just want to go into a church and nip in and nip out. They don't want to engage in life groups. They don't want to engage in Bible studies and prayer. They just want to say, I was at church on Sunday morning, I ticked that wee box. They don't want anybody checking up on them in pastoral care. They do want to get into a life group where there's accountability that when you look at the word on a Sunday morning, you bring it into the life group on a Wednesday or whatever your life group meets and you say, well, how do you apply that to your life? They don't want to go deeper. They just want to say, well, I've been to church, done the church thing today. But yet God has called us to be followers and disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he wants us to work out our salvation. He wants us to serve. He wants us to get involved. He wants us to be people who will follow him well. But you know, as we move on, into which will be sometimes the unknown, let's do it with the known. Let's know what we're about. That we value the presence of God. That we value each other and those yet to come. And that we value the purposes of God in our life. Church, this is our Holy Spirit weekend. And um, it's been a good weekend. And do you know, I'm going to say this. Um, maybe the worship team would come and join us. I'm going to say this. It's been a great weekend, but for <laughs> many of us, it's like, oh, Nick was having the field day. Because just following the... Alpha leader group, so many things went wrong for so many different people. People fell unwell, people were struggling, family circumstances. I ended up having to go on Saturday morning and um, go to the hospital with mum and all those things, which you do a heart and a half. But it was nearly like we were being pulled away from what God was going to do and something good happened. You know, Emily came to faith, which was great. That old scripture, our thought comes to mind, hide them behind the cross. We're hiding you behind the banner. <laughs> um, but you know, this is what we're about. But we really need the presence of God and his word and in his Holy Spirit actually to carry it through. And I don't know about you, but on this journey... Sometimes it is hard. And sometimes it can be a struggle and it can seem like everything's against us. But that's where we need the presence of God and the Spirit of God to touch us again and fill us and inspire us to move on. I know this morning there's many of you sitting there going, Pastor, there's so much more I'd love to do for God. And yeah, I feel a wee bit guilty because maybe I'm not there, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing that, but this has gone on in my life and that's gone on in my life and of this to deal with in my life. 
as the guys lead us in praise and worship, why don't you come and just ask the Spirit of God to strengthen you again, to give you the wisdom to deal with some of those situations, to empower you to control those situations, to enlighten your mind, the Word of God, that you can act through the power of the Holy Spirit in the Word of God to speak the Word into your situation, to change your situation. And for God to move in your personal life to free you to be that better disciple, follower of Jesus, to do the journey together. So we're going to stand, we're going to worship God. And as we worship God with a song, if you feel you just want to be open for more of God and you need God's help to be on this journey with us, We'd invite you to come this morning. We'd love to pray with you. And we're going to ask for, as people come this morning, if people do come, we're just going to ask maybe some of the, the leaders of the group to come and stand with people if they've been in your life group and pray with them, pray over them. Just that the Spirit of God will come and touch your lives once again. Okay? Let's stand and worship.